0: It's go time.
1: Welcome everyone to Quick Kicks. And now joining us on the show, a man who probably needs little, if any, introduction to our listening audience, James Duffy of TSN. James, welcome to the Third Down Gamble podcast. Uh, We're just so thrilled to have you here.
0: Uh, My pleasure. Third down gamble. So are we talking like this is like diehard CFL stuff? Because, you know, that's my that's my roots. Or is that just a name? Uh,
2: Diehard CFL more so than the gamble part. That's for sure. (laughs) Love it. James, just we're going to get right into some CFL memories here for you. Uh, You grew up in Ottawa. No NHL team at the time when you were growing up. The, The Rough Riders were kind of the only game in town. Yeah. How much was that uh, a part of your life growing up?
0: A massive part. My I moved to Ottawa. We I moved a lot around a lot when I was a kid, like five times before I was 8. My dad was RCMP and he kept getting moved and we were back in Ottawa. I was born in Ottawa actually and we were back in Ottawa by the time I was 8. And I think it was my mom who was a Rough Rider fan from her father and she introduced my dad to it and my dad became like that was his biggest passion in the world was the Rough Riders and so the one thing that I did with my parents all from age eight to basically 30 when I left Ottawa was to to go to the Rough Riders and then the Renegade Games it's funny you don't think of it at the time but like super like cherished cherished memories right because and my I was really favored because my when my sisters I have two older sisters when they wanted to go my dad just bought them tickets in the end zone they never got the good seats with me and me my dad and my mom, but I, that's where I could really say, I think that's where a lot of my love of sport even comes from, because those were the first live games we went to Ottawa. Didn't have an NHL team. I'd go to some Ottawa 67s games, but those Ottawa rough rider games, that was my live sports experience as a kid. I've talked about this many a time before, but obviously they, they were terrible, right? <laughs> For the entire time, those 20 odd years of going to the games they were terrible they had two 99 seasons with damon allen which i uh i often refer to as the dynasty and that was it i mean they won the great cup in 76 kind of a freak thing and that i still remember that i was like whatever 10 years old but uh um yeah just uh, hanging around with your parents and uh watching the the riders get kicked 55 to 10 by calgary every few weeks was amazing what was the atmosphere like at the Rough Rider games in those days? I mean, really good, but I I wonder if childhood taints it sometimes. I know certainly there was some, I feel like it was always packed. I'm sure there were nights when it was bad. And I remember when I, I was a teenager, my dad, I never told my dad this, but, you know, sometimes he'd be away and I'd get to go to the games and bring my friends. And when they were really bad, we we put like bag paper bags on our heads to get on TV. And so my dad would have been in horror if he knew that I did that. I remember it being great. I'm sure there was a lot of years where it was terrible. And I often remember my dad would never leave till the clock hit zero. I wasn't really joking about fifty-five ten. If you go back, we'd, we'd lose by a lot, a lot. The stadium would be basically empty. There'd be 500 people left booing. And my dad would still be sitting there. I don't know. Maybe he taught me a little bit about loyalty during during all those times. But I became, a, I, I often like to brag that I invented analytics because I was such a geek and such a nerd and I love football so much that I would bring uh, like a couple of pencils and a couple of sheets of paper and I would do what is now advanced stats. I would count how many times they threw at a certain defensive back and how many times it was completed. So I always tell Derek Taylor, the who does all that stuff now better than anybody, I think, in the CFL. I said, I invented that analytics crap. OK, I was doing that when I was 12 years old. But, uh, nobody cared i was the only one who actually read it to myself later
2: we've had derek on in the past so we'll have to make sure that we mentioned to him that we've now talked to the inventor of the cfl analytics that's that's fantastic
0: I, The thing is my dad was a weird football fan because he loved going to the games he loved the rough riders but he wasn't really that astute when it came to football you know what I mean? Like he was like your kind of basic fan. And so I would sit in the car home and read out all these stats and he could care less. Right. He basically knew the quarterback and, you know, a couple of the star players and loved going to the games. But I was the one that uh, gotten really nerdy about it.
1: I'm just going to touch on something and I hope this isn't too bad of a memory, but you talked about the Stampeders coming in and throttling Ottawa. Mm. There was a game just beyond the mid part of the 80s where the. Rough Riders were well ahead of the Calgary Stampeders and a quarterback named Ken Johnson led the Stampeders to the biggest comeback victory in CFL history that day. Were you in the stands and what was that like?
0: Yeah, I was, uh, I was 100% there, you know, foggy details, but I think that we came and I think this is part of like my personality now when I, when I watch sports, I expect the worst and I'm, I'm a horrible fan that way because i'm not optimistic at all and i think that dates back to those kind of experiences and i have ptsd on all of them because that would always the worst would always happen to ottawa right always yeah yeah that was uh those were good times i'm trying to think of the other the other classics some of the other classic defeats we had that was just we would lose games in ways that were just i'm still using we defied all all logic Maybe maybe that made it more charming. Maybe in some ways that if I wasn't grew up in Edmonton and we won all these Grey Cups, I'd I'd be a different person. Maybe I'd be spoiled and unsuccessful in life, and maybe all the frustration and losing with Ottawa propelled me to somehow have a decent career. I don't know. That's my psychoanalysis.
2: It's, it's something all CFL fans go through, except for a couple of those cities that seem to win all the time. I mean, I, I saw Winnipeg win three Grey Cups in my youth before I was twelve years old, and thought it's just something that they do. Right. and then and then suffered through 29 years, including the Reinbold era and others that were less than stellar in Winnipeg.
0: <laughs> and the run too,
2: frankly, right? I mean,
0: it's, uh, they still have potential for a couple more in the next two, three years, I'd say.
2: I, I certainly appreciated it a lot more after waiting that long for it than I did when I was a kid and they won all the time. Of course.
1: Well, it might have been the same for you, James, because Ottawa wins the Grey Cup in 73, mm-hmm. Clements to Gabriel in 76. You got to be thinking... This is just the way things are.
0: <laughs> yeah, probably. But, you know, even that team I don't think was was great. And then the other, the one other time back to the Great Cup was the uh, Conridge Holloway one, right? With the double interference call. And that was it, man. That was like literally it. Like there was we didn't get a sniff of anything. Have you ever done the math on how impossible it is to be that bad in an eight or nine team league? Let's take winnipeg had similar and you know S- Sasky. you didn't have the two most successful franchises as far as winning great cups in the league but you'd have some good teams in there right like you had the dita brock years and teams like S- saskatchewan and winnipeg got good and bad like four times five times during those 20 years where Ottawa was just bad the entire time you know, like it didn't—it it, defied logic that you could be that bad for that long, but they just were, which is—it's uh, something.
2: Jumping ahead to your start at TSN, was the CFL panel kind of your first hosting panel that you did?
0: Yeah, and I think that was the coolest thing that could have happened. I won't bore you with the long version of the story, but I was working in Ottawa and I had a job offer in Vancouver, and around the same time, I got an audition with TSN, which was to be a sports then sports desk host. It came down to me and Lisa Bowes a long time. She was a reporter trying to become an anchor and uh, they ended up giving the job to her. But the boss back then said, you know, I I really like you. I'd like to hire you sometime. And I said, well, I'm taking this job out in Vancouver, so I want to live out there for a few years and, you know, call me and give me at least two years and and then if something comes up, call me. And he called me in six months and it was the CFL gig. And I, I think what had happened, it used to, maybe it was, it was that back when it was like Marty York and uh God, who else was on the panel? Uh and I don't know if Dutchie had hosted it or Rod Smith had hosted it the year before, or maybe Rod Smith had moved on to the to Sports Center. But anyway, there was an opening there and they were trying to completely revamp the panel and create Friday night football. And uh so it couldn't have been a better opportunity. And that was one one of my great memories is calling my dad to uh to tell him I got that gig because Hosting NHL or whatever, that would have meant, wouldn't have meant much to him. But hosting CFL, to him, that was like the single most important job in the world. <laughs> so it was pretty cool.
2: Awesome. So you've worked with some big names on the panel in the past. Jim Barker, Matt Dunnegan, Milt Stiegel. Uh, of course, Chris Schultz. We're going to touch on him in a minute as well. But is there anybody on the panel that was kind of sneaky, awesome, that maybe the fans don't realize was, was so great to work with?
0: Well, uh, I mean, all those guys were. Uh, Dunnigan was there from year two and uh, I, I always loved Maddie just because we would we shared a studio with Discovery Channel which was then out of TSN and so you never saw it on television you saw us on the panel but in behind was the entire Discovery set which had like skeletons and you know little dinosaur bones and all this stuff that goes on behind him I think I was on a health kick back then I would big, bring in like bags of carrots to work snack on and dunnigan and i would spend most of the games throwing the carrots at the pieces on the discovery set uh like trying to knock them down like awarding certain points obviously it was matt dunnigan so i I lost every time (laughs) but this was like a a fanboy thrill that we would basically have a little quarterbacking competition all the time (laughs) and i'm sure the discovery people would come in on monday we'd try to clean it up and there'd be like carrots all over the place and (laughs) bones missing from the skeleton but uh in those early years too we would uh you know sometimes just go out and have a beer after sit and open up the back of somebody's car and sit and have a beer so uh different times and it was it was great but all those guys i love you're gonna ask me about schulte who probably i started with him he's probably the guy i was closest to and uh Uh, But I honestly loved every single guy I I worked with on that panel. Climby Climby was from Ottawa and sort of in my sort of age group. And uh, he was like the star receiver who went to Queens from Ottawa. And I'd done a story on him when I was a local reporter in Ottawa. And so, you know, sitting beside him and we're still pretty good friends was awesome as well.
2: So I mentioned Chris Schultz, obviously a all-star caliber player. But more importantly, you worked alongside him many years as a, as a football analyst as well. And he has now been posthumously entering into the CFL Hall of Fame as a broadcaster this year. What kind of relationship did you have and, and how did you feel when you heard the news that he was going
0: to be a Hall of Famer? Uh, so excited. I One of the true honours of my life was to be um, one of the speakers at his funeral he was gone way too early, but I'll tell you the story I told that day and you've probably heard it, Pete and Don, you probably heard it as well, but I'll, I'll tell it one more time for the listeners. Cause I love it so much. You know, Schulte and I broke in together. We were rookies. Literally my first day at TSN was a meeting at a hotel for the CFL crew. I didn't know anybody. I walked in the lobby. I didn't know anybody. I was trying to find the room where it was in and, and this big six, nine guy walks into the lobby. Of course I recognized him right away. And, uh, But he didn't know who I was. And I came up to him and said hi. And he gave me this tug and practically cracked two ribs. Schultz uh, Schultz didn't want to wear the IFB, uh, which, you know, a key part of broadcasting is to wear the IFB, the earpiece. So your producer talks to you. And there's not a lot of skills that I think in what we do. But one of the skills is being able to talk while someone is talking to you, saying, OK, James, we need you to fill 30 more seconds while you're talking. Schulte didn't want to know part of that thing in his ear because uh, he said, I think this is a direct quote, I, I have enough voices in my head already. But uh, somewhere along the way, maybe two or three weeks into our, our debuts together, the producer, John Hines, convinced Schulte he had to wear the uh, earpiece if he was ever going to get good at the job. So that first night that he wore it, nobody wanted to talk to him uh, to freaked him out we used to do a panel the format was a little bit different and we used to do a panel right before kickoff like we'd come out of commercial break do one last minute and a half and then throw to the kickoff and Schulte was on and he was talking too long and so the producer finally had to get in his ear and say uh uh he said something along the lines of uh Schultz shut up and get it back to James we're gonna miss the kickoff and so uh, when I tell this story, I always be Schultz. So this is what came out on national television. Schultz saying something like it. If the Argos are going to get back in the game in the second half, uh, they have to establish a running game. Shut up, Schultz. Get it back to James. We're going to miss the kickoff. He ba- he just said the exact same word the producer said in his, in his ear. Because <laughs> <laughs> I think he thought it was his brain talking to him. And, and, and the thing, the reason I love that story is, you know, you might say that's making fun of Schulte that he was dumb or whatever is your old offensive lineman. But he liked that story. You know, he always used to tell me when we were out for beers or whatever, he'd say, James, tell the IFB story. Like, it kind of became his favorite story. I think maybe at first he didn't like it. And as the years went by, and he got more polished and good at his job. He appreciated it. So, and the, and the other thing I'll tell you about Schulte from those early years, you know, he was a true, true pro and a true athlete. So after the game was done, so 11 o'clock or if we were doing a head or 1 a.m., he'd be like, James, we're going to go watch tape. And we would go watch the the show that we did. We wouldn't watch the game. We would just watch the the hits that we did in the pregame and the halftime. <laughs> and he loved it. He would sit and laugh. Like when he, when he said something good, he'd be like, watch this. Watch what I say here. <laughs> and, uh, I just I, I just it's uh, just I have such such great memories with that dude.
2: Do you think he learned a lot from going back and watching the tape of, of your hits as well?
0: I know I did. And, you know, I, I probably slack and I don't do that much anymore. And I, I, I do think you actually learn a lot from watching yourself. Like young broadcasters, I would certainly recommend they do that because we fall into verbal crutches or certain things we do, maybe we shuffle our papers or do do things that might be annoying to the viewers that we don't notice. I'm sure I still do them. Do it is, I think it is similar to watching game film and learning some about some of your mistakes. I should probably still do it more often, but I don't. He, I think he did it pretty religiously throughout his entire career. At
2: TSN now, you're kind of the special big event guy. You seem to airdrop in for World Cups and World Juniors and all sorts of things like that, and many, many great cups. What stands out for you as a Great Cup memory that was one of your best experiences?
0: Well, hands down, first of all, that was one of the, the great things. And you know this because I probably talked about it on, on my pod. But uh, when we lost the NHL rights, you know, I became a full time hockey host. And that's never really what I wanted to be. I love hockey. I love doing it. But I always wanted to do other things. So when we lost the hockey rights, it freed me up with a little more time to do other things and the Grey Cup was and the CFL playoffs got back on my agenda uh, I couldn't do full-time CFL which we talked about but just because the hockey season's so long and I was still doing a lot of hockey but I was able to talk my way on back on to doing the hosting the playoffs and 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 the Grey Cup and I got a ton but there's one way far above all the rest and that's the year the Red Blacks won the Grey Cup and uh, I'll bring my dad back into it and Have this entire storyline go full circle. Is uh, my dad had been diagnosed with cancer maybe the year before? He was doing okay, but we knew he didn't have super long, right? Maybe a year, maybe two years or whatever. After all the misery that he'd lived through with Ottawa football, to have the Red Blacks in whatever it was, their second season or third season or whatever, go to the Grey Cup and take on a formidable team in Calgary and and to win that game in overtime, that's the most nervous I've, I've ever been. I'm not, I, I really am not like a diehard Ottawa football fan. I, and there's a piece of me that's still there for sure. And I guess I could be accused when they get into th- games like that, but this just job kind of sucks the fan out of you. So I'm not nearly as passionate about specific teams that I, than I used to be. But that night, because my dad was home watching the game was in Toronto that was the most nervous i'd ever been watching the game especially when they had a chance they got ahead and you know came down to the final seconds and then there was a big stop on the goal line and it goes to overtime and they win and that was a really cool moment for me like to be up on that stage and to award the gray cup and and know my pops was home watching and that they'd won was people asked me about highlights of my career and uh, that's in the top three or four simply because of the circumstances involved.
1: The Grey Cup that we've just been through, that 2022 game in Regina. I've heard...
0: Yeah, the one, the first one, by the way, because I was at World Cup. Mm. Yeah. The one that... The biggest blur when, you know, when I'm 80 in the rocking chair, that will be my biggest blur Grey Cup because it, my plan was to try and watch it. And then I realized that with Qatar was, whatever, nine hours. So I watched, like, two hours of the pregame and and then the game the game started like two in the morning or something (laughs) and so you know I, I I I couldn't I couldn't get there and uh so try to watch most of it the next day but it's not the same right and you end up you know what happens so you end up fast forwarding stuff through it so uh anyway finish your question but like I said it's a bit of a blur that game
1: Fair enough. What I was getting to was, and I've heard from a few people, that it was a football game for 45 minutes and then it got punch drunk in the final quarter.
0: (laughs) I I think that's a fair assessment. I was really, frankly, pissed off in my hotel room in in Qatar when I woke up and read the reports of how just how wild the finish was. Because selfishly as a broadcaster, you always want to be involved in those, right? You want to be in the games that are memorable and, and historic. You love being a part of them. That's what gives you the juice from this job. So I was jealous of, uh, you know, Rod Smith and and Kate and Duchy and who whoever was on the panel covering that game because, and the other thing is, for whatever reason, I always miss the Sasky Grey Cups, and that's the one, the only city that I haven't been to a Grey Cup to in Canada. I can't remember why the last one I missed, the one before, in Sasky. Maybe that was the year before I I took over and started hosting Grey Cups again. Um, What was the year of the one before last year? What was the? 2013.
1: 2013?
0: 2013. So, yeah, that would have been at 2023 now. That was the last year before I started hosting the Grey Cups again. And so I was still in the midst of hockey uh, when that one happened. So I haven't been to a Sasky Grey Cup, and it's, uh, trust me, right near the top of my still bucket list items.
1: The one thing that the CFL has done for its viewership on Great Cup Sunday is that they provided great games. You think of 2016 goes to overtime, 2017, the unbelievable finish with Cassius Vaughn turning the game on its head. Right. You've got another overtime game in Hamilton. And then last year's, how much more could you ask of a game?
0: Yeah, you can. And, uh, you know, that used to be the thing that the Great Cups had over the Super Bowls, right? The Super Bowl would always suck when we were growing up and the Great Cup almost always was excellent now Super Bowls have been pretty good in the last you know decade there's been a lot of good Super Bowls too but uh, the Grey Cup is rarely disappointed the one thing that that we can hold on to I think is that it still is a, a Canadian tradition and people will talk about ratings and say well the ratings are down it's you no know, it's went it's gone from 4 million to 3 million or whatever in the last five years and this will always be a story and always bugs me with media stories. Grey Cup ratings down 5%. I'm going to tell you right now, they're going to keep going down. Ratings are going to keep going down everything because everyone, people, younger generation, doesn't watch on cable. They'll watch on their phones or on, unfortunately, illegal streams or whatever. So it doesn't mean that, like, 3 million is still a massive audience for an event in Canada. Right? And you know there's more than 3 million watching because of what I just said. So, yeah, I think I the fact that it's still a big tradition in Canada even for people who don't watch during the season warms my heart a little bit
2: now that you just kind of do coverage generally for the Grey Cup and the and the playoffs how much are you following the CFL throughout the season and and I'm not it's not a knock against you if you don't because I know you've got a million other things on the go but just kind of curious do you keep a casual eye and then dig in closer to the playoffs
0: I would say I watched like 50% of the games in their entirety. And then when I get to the playoffs, I will go back and watch the entire season. CFL.ca is so good with those little 12-minute recaps or 10-minute recaps. So I'll watch the entire season for every team that's in the playoffs. Like I've watched probably half the games, but I do forget, especially as I get older. So that's the way I'll, I'll prepare. So I I will feel like I've watched every game. That, that that's the way I do it but I'm still a massive fan and it's actually it's fun that way for me to be able to be like you guys and put my feet up and uh have a beer on a summer night and, and watch Friday night football because I don't get to do that with many of the sports that I cover right you're with them all the time and 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 uh and stuck in studio or whatever it may be so I, I think in some ways I I love the CFL even more because I can be a fan of just a fan of the games now and watch i'll certainly say that i i don't pretend to have the same depth of knowledge you know as you know kate and the panel would have about every single db or offensive lineman or whatever that may be but i think when it gets down to the the east and west final in the gray cup I'm, i i know the teams really well
2: given that tsn's been the sole broadcaster of CFL games for quite some time now is there anything that you could think of that they can do to improve the broadcast product
0: wow that's a that's a great question I know there's been frustrations in some of the things that they've tried to do and you know like the mic'd up stuff that there's been it, I think it's worked really well sometimes when they've done it I think sometimes they've gotten pushback which is frustrating because the league should be doing anything it can but I think they've you know most teams have done I've been pretty cooperative on that And I think it's pretty cool to hear hear coaches and and those live mic things I wish there was more of that I I, I know it's tied they're tougher to produce but I wish like in almost every game broadcast there was a few guys mic'd I know that they uh you know they'll usually have like the sounds of the game like one player mic'd or something like that I wish we had the the budgets and stuff to mic you know every coach and offensive coordinator and be able to do things like that but The reality of Canadian television in 2023 is we don't have, you know, we don't have Fox Super Bowl kind of budgets when we do things. So, I mean, there's that. I don't know if it's the broad. I think we do a really good job with what we have with with CFL. I just wish in general it got covered more in other media in the country and that people maybe appreciated how good the game was and how good the athletes are. That's the most frustrating point to me. I get in arguments with people who work here that aren't fans. Uh, you know, the, maybe that are... I don't like the whole, I'm an NFL fan or I'm a CFL fan. I love football growing up, and I would watch any football. I watch NCAA football. I watch CIS football. In Ottawa, we used to get these... Uh, the show on from Quebec on the French channels called, uh, les zero Samedi, samedi which is the Saturday heroes. And it was, uh, they'd show like tight football games, like six year olds with commentators in Quebec. It was like the craziest thing. And I would always watch it because, you know, you'd have the one big kid who's bigger than everybody else. And he'd score seven touchdowns. And that fascinated the heck of, out of me. So I would watch that. And, uh, so it, like I love the NFL I love the CFL and I don't think there's anything wrong with loving them all. And I, I, it really bothers me that, you know, the the younger generation that's like, you know, NFL and CFL is you no know, CFL, is some second rate thing. It's not right. Different athletes, different shapes, but an incredible quality product that bothers me. Uh, and I try to convince, you know, my son and his friends, uh, my son's pretty good. He'll watch it, but, uh, it frustrates me that I can't convince more young people to love the game. And, and that's where we are, too. You've got two diehard CFL fans in the
2: middle of the prairies here. Yeah. One one bomber fan, one rider fan, and we actually get along and, and have a podcast. Uh, but, uh, you know, we're we're always screaming for more more publicity. And I think we're in some pretty good markets in, in Winnipeg and Regina, getting a lot of coverage from sources outside of just uh, what Bell
0: Media does. You know, thank goodness for Saskatchewan and and Winnipeg and those markets because they carry the league uh and you know being in Ontario I feel the frustration more I think and I'm sure you guys feel it and I know there's complaints sometimes with TSN that okay I know something came up a few weeks ago where there was a story about the new Montreal ownership and uh, it was Bob Irving or someone was complaining that it was 38 minutes into a sports center but the, re- the you know the reality the reality is when you know hockey still does rule in this country and. And people want to see their highlights and everything else. So I think we give the CFL a ton of coverage here. And I would never apologize for anything we do with the CFL coverage on TSN for sure. But yeah, I, I wish we could I wish we could convince more young people to go to the games and, and watch the games for sure.
2: I have one more question here. I don't know if Don has something else to jump in with, but 2019 Grey Cup. Winnipeg wins for the first time in many, many years. Andrew Harris coming off of a midseason suspension is most outstanding canadian most outstanding player you're on the field interviewing him and he gets pretty fired up and at the last second you pull the microphone away was that the greatest on-field performance by a reporter
0: yeah i think that's probably the like that was an athletic move and you know that that was my old touch football you know i just snatched it snatched it right from his hands the mvp i can't remember what he was gonna say too maybe you've if you, I'm sure it's out there somewhere on YouTube, but there's something like that. And I just didn't think it would be appropriate on national television. Grey Cup's our biggest audience of the year. So I just kind of it a little subtle move back. I'm very proud of it, frankly.
1: <laughs> We're getting close to training camps. You've been through this enough times, but every spring, do you get a little sort of tickle in your inside saying, hey, football's coming back?
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I'll tell you, That was my dad used to go to the training camps in Ottawa, and uh, and he'd have to cut the roster out of the Ottawa Citizen and cross the names out as they got cut, Uh, which sounds contrary to what I told you about that he wasn't a big fan. He just he would do that, but then he wouldn't know any of the players, which is really weird. (laughs) Whenever I think of training camp in the CFL, my other favorite Ottawa story, I could. I've often thought I could write a book about like the Ottawa football franchise, just because there's so many unbelievable stories about how completely inept it was, and I was there for so much of it. Like I, I knew Lonnie Gleiberman. I went to the bars with him a couple of times. I was the first guy to interview Horn Chen. We did a live thing on TV the first time he came to town, and just all the all the madness that was Ottawa football. I, I could do an entire podcast with you guys and just tell stories that you probably haven't heard about how nuts it was. Uh, but my favorite one, and I think I wrote this in my book when I was at Carleton university, I think they would train, they'd have part of their training camp at Carleton university and, and part of it would be at Lansdowne or they, they train at Carleton and then, but their locker rooms were over at Lansdowne, sorry, now TD place. And so I'm coming out of, I think I was at the gym or something at Carleton and I'm coming out. I had a little Dodge Colt. That was my university car. And in the parking lot, I see like six Rough Riders fully dressed sitting on their helmets, and I go, uh, "What's up, guys? What's going on?" They're like, "Yeah, the uh, the bus couldn't fit us all on. Took the guys back to Lansdowne, and uh, it was supposed to come back, but it never came back." So, I'm like, "Why well, you guys want to lift?" And they're like, "Yeah." So I piled six Ottawa Rough Riders in my little Dodge Colt. And in full uniform, and drove them back to the back to the headquarters because the bus had forgotten to come back and get them. And I think that was, you know, when I was eight and 10 years old going to those games, you, you think the CFL is the biggest thing in the world, right? This is major professional sports. And this was my, I started, that's when my eyes started to open to the fact that maybe this wasn't the most <laughs> first class organization in the world. That was, so that was always my punchline joke is how many Ottawa Rough Riders can you fit in the 1982 Dodge Colt?
1: Apparently six.
0: <laughs> <laughs> one hatch. My other one I'll tell you is <laughs> Joe, Joe Moss. Remember Joe Moss? Who I think passed away this past year. Joe Moss was a Texas coach. Who was a, D coordinator, I think he was, he was head coach of the Rough Riders for a while, but he was a D coordinator for a bunch of CFL teams and Ottawa used to have was famous for airlifting players in after NFL cuts and another year where they went three and 13 or something and Joe Moss, I was the head coach, I think, and they brought in about, they had no wide receivers that year and they brought in about 10 of them for tryouts. And I was there uh, with Billy Patterson, who was our old sports reporter at CJOH, and uh, uh, standing on the sidelines watching practice and watching all these guys running patterns and doing tryouts. And uh, it was like an open tryout almost. Billy said to Joe, he's like, Joe, how many receivers do you got out there? And Joe took a, took a long look at all these all these guys and his Texas drawl, he goes, none. None. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, uh, that was the state of Ottawa football.
1: So what do you look forward to in the 2023 season? Is there any storyline, any team, anything that really piques your interest as we head toward it?
0: Well, I mean, individually, I'd like to see. I'm really happy for Rourke, but I think that was a blow to the league, just in the sense that, you know, to have a Canadian quarterback be a star was such a great thing as it's, it's it's such a shame the se- his season got cut off I know he came back but that was a great CFL story that felt like it had a ton of momentum to it and the fact that he's gone already is disappointing. It would be interesting to see how the how the lions do there. I'm always watching watching my red blacks and see if the, all the changes they've made comes to fruition and there's actual progress there I think they're closer you know can the is the bombers dynasty? Can it still be a dynasty? I think if you win three out of four, that's a dynasty. Would you agree, Pete? Mm-hmm. Absolutely, I'll take it. And I think there's no reason they couldn't. I think they're they're well positioned to take another crack at it. I, like honestly, I'm. It's 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 weird because you're not when you're not as passionate about one team, you watch the games differently, and what you end up cheering for is just overall success of the league when you ask me one storyline no i just cheer for there to be lots of storylines right that's what you want is i just want it to be exciting i want there to be new quarterbacks emerge because that's a constant thing problem with the league is there's not enough stars so um maybe there's some guy that comes out of the states that we haven't even talked about yet who who've played in some small college and and suddenly emerges That's what I want for the league because I do think that that's the one thing coming back to early conversation. You need stars to sell this league. And that doesn't mean, you know, the old days of Rocket Ishmael winning the Heisman Trophy are coming or somebody coming from Vince Ferragamo when I was a kid. Just bonafide stars who people want to see play. And so that's what I'm cheering for more than anything else.
2: And when, when people say that the games aren't exciting or the CFL is boring, last season, every time the combination of Winnipeg, Calgary, and BC played, They were games for the ages. They were going 40-some points aside. It was amazing.
0: There are years we have off years, and, you know, we look at it, uh, you know, everybody at TSN echoes what I say. All we cheer for is exciting games because we want more people to watch and we want more people to care about the league. And there are years where you get, like, tons of blowouts, and that's never good, right? Or, you know, a couple of dominant teams, and so that's never good. Last year, the – sheer amount of games that came down to the wire or games that were, you know, 38, 34 kind of thing. I haven't looked at this. Like again, a Derek Taylor type would look at it more. It felt like there was a ton of them. And so like I said, there's there's no reason, there's no way you can sit down and have an argument with I could have an argument with someone and and they convince me uh that it's not an entertaining product. It's just it's a it's a futile argument because it's a super entertaining product and I'm I'll love it until the day I die.
1: Snack Bites Pete. Thank you very much, Heath Graham, for being there. James Duffy of the Rubber Boots Podcast. And you can follow James as well on Twitter at TSN James Duffy. James, thank you so much. I know you're super busy, and this was just wonderful.
0: Uh no problem, boys. I uh now that the playoffs are on, I kinda do a couple panel hits, sit around for four hours and do a couple more panel hits. So I'm not that busy, but uh, uh let's keep up the illusion that I'm really busy for my bosses. All right. And uh okay. it's a pleasure to be on with you guys. I, l- I love talking football. I don't get it enough. Most of the time I get on golf podcasts and hockey podcasts and, uh, so it's an honor to be on yours. Thanks.
1: Hey, it was an honor to have you. And uh, James, I hope we can do this again sometime.
0: All right, guys. Thanks, man. Well, thanks, James. Appreciate it. All right. Get easy, boys. Yep. All the best. All the best to you. Okay, Thank you.
1: Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean and can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Third Down Gamble. Join us again, the 3rd Down Gamble podcast, audio worth watching.
0: 3rd Down Gamble uses the expert resources provided by Canadian Football League Player and Game Statistics for analytics, game notes, and statistics, and 3downnation.com for news. Insight and in-depth analysis please visit cfl.ca and threedownnation.com for the most up-to-date information on the Canadian Football League.